Election College Episode 158. There ain't no party like a Jackson party. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, we get so many comments about Andrew Jackson. I think he's one of the favorite characters that audience members are constantly telling us. We don't call him Old Hickory anymore. We call him Andy Jack. That's right. And it's so much fun. You take out some of the serious thing. You take out some of the atrocities that happened under his rule. Some of the outside of the law actions that he took (laughs) prior to becoming president and, well, after becoming president. Uh But, I mean, the character, Andrew Jackson. I get a ton of comments on the man whenever I wear my uh, election college ugly Christmas sweater with Andy Jack's face on it. It's crazy. He's terrifying. And I can't can't even... Get out my wallet and, and hand somebody a $20 bill Yeah. now and not think, Andrew Jackson, I can't believe I have a picture of him right. in my wallet, knowing that he would hate the fact that his mug oh, yeah. was on that piece of paper. He would not only hate it, he would also hate the fact that that piece of paper exists at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... We threw it out there last week. We said we're going to be talking about inaugurations and events around inaugurations in the upcoming week. What do you want to hear about? And whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, overwhelmingly, we got feedback. You must talk about the inauguration of Andrew Jackson in 1829. Now, many of you have heard our episode about the election of 1824 and the election of 1828. Right. You've listened to part one and part two of the life of Andrew Jackson, and you can't get enough. <laughs> and we are going to hone in on that big party. But there's some other things that we have not brought up about our buddy that we're going to bring up in this episode. So... For those of you who need a refresher, let's talk a little bit about the campaign of 1828. Well, Jason, we should probably put, for those who haven't studied Andrew Jackson extensively, just a little more background in it, because it does kind of lead into the 1828, the election of 1824. Basically, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot to talk about here, but the, the long and short of it is Andrew Jackson... It receives the most popular votes. However, it doesn't matter because electoral college and all that good stuff. The electoral votes get split four different ways. Jackson has a plurality, but not a majority. So the House of Representatives decides. And Jackson supporters are like, no way. That is not. No, 
there was something something happened there. Um, Henry Clay had to be involved with this corrupt bargain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jackson says, "Mark my words, I'll get you next time," or something like something villainous <laughs> that someone would say. I'll beat next you with time. My, I'll beat you with my cane. <laughs> and so uh, Andrew Jackson comes back in 1828 and runs a crazy campaign. So the Q, John Quincy Adams, he's very unpopular. And, you know, you hear so many complaints about campaigns beginning so early. Mm -hmm. But Andy Jack, I mean... Four years. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as the House of Representatives puts the Q in, he's like, nope. And this is really the first just downright nasty campaign where the candidates are actively attacking one another. And how better to attack your opponent than by going after his wife? Oh, yeah. And that's exactly... Very gentlemanly. Yeah. (laughs) And you would think the Q would be a gentleman, right? I mean, he was pretty cultured. I suppose. But... His campaign goes after Rachel Jackson. And what happened with Rachel was that she was married prior to Andy Jack. And they got married in 1791, but her divorce had not been finalized. So what ends up happening is she's accused of being a polygamist. Right. And so everybody you know, decides, hey, we should bring that up. The fact that she's a polygamist and it wrecks her, basically. Uh, Andrew Jackson basically says, you guys are really crossing a line here. It's affecting her. She passes away and Andrew Jackson says, this is your fault. Yeah. You did this to her. Yeah. So keep in mind, Andy Jack wins the election. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Everybody's celebrating and between the election. Right. In the inauguration, Rachel dies. Man, it was so ugly. Rachel too. doesn't seem like a name that should have like been the president's wife's name, wife's name in like the eighteen twenties. Like Rachel doesn't seem. Rachel seems like a newer name. It does seem like a newer name, but it's also really old. I, it I is. understand that. It's like all the way back to the Book of Genesis, right? And the Bible. It's yeah. like there's Rachel. Anyway, Good I just figure. I don't know why that was important for me to say, but I said it. Well, you did. Uh-huh. Good job. Thank you. So, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, one of the quotes that I read about, um, well, during the campaign, I mean, they treated her as if this marriage between Rachel and Andy Jack was just totally illegitimate. A guy who wrote for the Cincinnati Gazette said, quote, ought a convicted adulteress and her paramour husband be placed in the highest offices of this free and Christian land? Ouch. Yeah. Well, and Jackson had a lot of stuff that he was kind of answering for, too, right? I mean, he, he was a slaver. Mm-hmm. At least he bought and sold them. Uh, he, he was known for his massacres of villages, or at least, you know, the duels he participated in were not exactly yeah. upstanding, which that's probably a whole episode in and of itself I yeah. think we're going to get into. Man, the Florida thing. So, yeah, and yeah, absolutely. My goodness. So, the you know... I don't understand why they had to attack his wife. There's plenty about him to say. Yeah. But they did. Probably because they were afraid he would come after That's them directly. That's true. He was known to beat people with a cane, so. 
Yeah. So, of course, the Democrats, they are really upset about the whole turnout of the 1824 election, and they are 110% behind Jackson. If you're a Democrat and you have the fortune of having TJ around, because he's still alive uh, after that election of 1824, Jefferson was like, you know what? I think that um, Andy Jack, he's not that bad of a guy. I think that he would make a great president. And Jefferson was pretty upset that Andy Jack didn't get elected. Yeah, so the next election, his, Andy Jack's supporters say, hey, uh, if we can make Jefferson's TJ's, they called him TJ too. If we can make his opinions known to everyone and also let them know what he thinks about the bad guys, the enemies, (laughs) we're going to have it made. Like, we've got this going on. We're good to go. And... So they did. And so the uh, the whole goal of everything was to make sure that Andy Jack wasn't just known as the military man, the, the, the guy who slaughtered Indians. He was known as more than that. And up to that point, that had been a major campaign slogan against him. So, of course, Jefferson dies in 1826, and he's not there to witness what happens for the next election. So we already gave it away. In 1828, Jackson beats the queue. And it's really not even close. (laughs) Jackson gets 178 electoral votes. The queue gets 83. And uh, if it was ever a question about the popular vote, which is totally irrelevant. irrelevant. Andy Jack gets 56% of the popular vote. Right. So, I mean, he still wiped the floor with them no matter what yeah so rachel she's got chest pains during the campaign she becomes ill dies on december the 22nd 1828 and jackson he just never gets over this and he blames adams he blames henry clay he says quote i can and do forgive all my enemies but those vile wretches who have slandered her must look to god for mercy Now, the election results are in, and what do you do? Andy Jack really is the first, should we say, an outsider? I think. I mean, he he was an outsider, but he was involved, I guess, is a good way to put it. (laughs) So you have this, quote-unquote, sophisticated Mm -hmm. John Quincy Adams. I mean, he's pretty much the golden boy of American diplomacy from the very beginning. And then you've got this outsider from out west who comes and well a mob enters the white house (laughs) with the queue inside (laughs) and they're going after the furniture they're damaging lights and adams escapes and uh they put large punch bowls outside trying to (laughs) lure the crowd outside it's like luring a rat to a trap (laughs) (laughs) so of course the establishment was like what in the world just happened? Look at you, dogs. Look what you've done. Yes. You've brought in this terribleness. You have this filthy Democrat mm-hmm. who's going to come. Mm-hmm. Just you wait. Just you wait. So, 
Do we move on to the inauguration? And we go on. All right. So the inauguration comes a few months after Andy Jack's wife, Rachel, has died. So he is not feeling chipper, I guess you could say. Right. And can you imagine what it was like to travel all the way from Nashville yeah. to Washington? It's not in, like... In the cold, on a horse or in a buggy. Yeah, or on a steamboat. Right. So that's what happened. I always would have thought, you know, you just uh, take I-40 across to 81, <laughs> hop on 81 and yeah. go through the Shenandoah Valley and then and then you're almost there. It's probably a day trip right. to get there. No, you don't do that. You get on board a steamboat. And you go way out of your way to, to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah. So he dri- he drives. He drives. He, he goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, he's, he leaves Nashville. He steamboats himself up to Pittsburgh. And then he has to go by carriage down to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's how long it took. Crazy. So the inauguration's taken place in March, March 4th, to be precise, of 1829. And this is the first time where they're like, hey, we've got this beautiful Capitol building here. Finally finished. Finally the... The British have gotten the heck away from us and quit burning down our stuff. <laughs> Finally, we can do something with it. And there are like 10,000 people in town for the ceremony. And Francis Scott Key, you might remember him from the Star Spangled Banner, says, it is beautiful, it is sublime. Which if I said that, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, it was nice. But Francis Scott <laughs> Key, who wrote, the, wrote, you know, wrote the, one of the most famous songs in the world, they thought it was pretty good coming from him. Yeah. So by mid-morning, the front of the Capitol building is just chock full of people. And there's all kinds of crowd control going on. And they estimate that 21,000 people came to see the swearing in. And Jackson comes out. and He just like walks up through the crowd. I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> like you're, you're standing there and it's like, boom, out of nowhere. The war hero. Yeah. I, you know what? I bet they come out with a musical. Andy Jack the musical. We need to get that trademarked. It's by, possible. By the domain. You think so? I feel like the first half of it would be pretty brutal. <laughs> it would <laughs> be, be a mess of a musical. It would be. Yeah. Uh, so he comes out of the basement of the Capitol and everybody starts cheering. And very few people can actually hear him because, of course, they don't have all of the AV equipment that we have now. Right. And um, there's this ship cable. So imagine a thick cable. Mm -hmm. So the ship cable is guarding the party. And it breaks. (laughs) Which is intense to get it to break. I mean, you've seen these things. They're gigantic. Yeah. So he... Andy Jack gets on a white horse, of course, <laughs> and say that rhyme, and that was like Mr. Ed. Something about this. Totally unintentional. About on a steel horse I ride or something. I don't remember. Oh, man. <laughs> he was wanted alive. Okay. Wow. Thanks for the flashback. You're welcome. <laughs> he goes down Pennsylvania Avenue, goes to the White House. Meanwhile, uh-huh. people are already there at the White House. Because they were like probably backed up that far. Right. Watching the inauguration. They're climbing in the windows, Ben. I don't even understand. I've been there. Security's tight, man. 
Okay, okay. 1829. 1829. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but come on. I mean, people are climbing in the, in the windows of somebody's house. Like, I get it. It's the, it's the White House. We pay the taxes. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, you're climbing into somebody's house because you're like, well, I should be able to be here to drink or something, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and turns out everybody was invited. Yeah. And uh, there's a Supreme Court justice, uh, Joseph Story. He's like, um, this is just typical, right, <laughs> of what we were expecting to happen. Uh, the reign of King Mob seemed triumphant. This is like, this almost reminds me of, um, what was that movie with John Goodman where he was the, he was an American, but he was the closest relative of British royalty, King Ralph. I don't remember that movie. Oh, this was like early 80s the outsider becomes yeah the chief huh and uh yeah that's what it was like for andy jack kind of <laughs> like who is this guy well people really related to him apparently because they break or they don't even break in they come into the white house they climb into the windows now i got another song stuck in my head man and they like break stuff by accident or maybe on purpose or whatever. Probably I guarantee a lot of like fine China was stolen from the white house. Yeah. Oh man, man. And I thought, you know, the whole reason Ben is in town, everybody. And just in case you didn't listen to the last episode, Ben and I are together this week. He's at my humble abode Yeah, because it's my son's, I almost said baby, my son's third birthday. Right. And we had a whole mess of people here. Yeah. And uh, none of us were climbing through the windows. Not a single one. There's a little bit of cheese get, got in the carpet. A lot of cheese. Carpet. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of like a three-year-old's birthday multiplied by like 21,000. Right. And that's just not going to be good. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so later that night, they have an official inaugural ball. And it's supposed to be for, you know, different officials in the administration and uh, anybody who you, you would consider in high society. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is where like the whole thing behind the Eaton affair broke out. But again, we've got like 15 episodes about that. Yeah. You can go and listen to it. And there are 1,200 people at this thing. And guess who one of them was not? President Jackson. He's like, nah, I already, I'm gonna, I already have my party with all the, all the drunk people breaking my china. I'm gonna just set this one out. Yeah. See you later. So, in researching this episode, a lot of you already know about the riot, riotous behavior. Does that sound? That sounds very King James of me, doesn't it? It does. But that's what happened, mm-hmm. and why not? It's the public's house yep. and all of that. Uh, try it now, though. Even try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a legend about a 1,400-pound cheese wheel <laughs> that was given to the president. And sometimes it gets mixed in with this inauguration story. But if you have a 1,400-pound cheese wheel, yeah, people are probably not stepping on it and getting it in the carpet. Probably it's not. It's pretty much an attraction in and of itself. I feel like we have to mention the rest of this story because even though it wasn't inauguration related, it's totally cool. It's pretty epic (laughs) and it might become a t-shirt. Ooh. So the president, Andy Jack, gets a gift. Which is totally appropriate for cheese, right? (laughs) Totally appropriate. Gets a present at one point during his presidency. You know, he's there for eight years. So 
It happens, maybe at some point. And he gets a 1,400-pound wheel of cheese as a gift from who knows. <laughs> I don't even think – I'm sure they have it in the ledger somewhere or something. But is that one of those things you have to, like, make sure you save for your presidential library? Or how's that? Never mind. I would imagine that they have it. And, <laughs> and guys, if you ever are in the Cincinnati area, there is a grocery store called Jungle Gems. There's mm-hmm. two locations. And they have the big cheese. Yeah. It's not 1,400 pounds. It's not 1,400 pounds. Usually does come from Wisconsin. And it's pretty epic. It's pretty huge. And if you come at the right time of year, you can have a taste. Mm -hmm. But nothing matches what Andy Jack had. Yeah, so it's 1,400 pounds. It's a cheese wheel. And it's in the White House for like a couple of years. And you can just imagine every, like the first time Andrew Jackson walks into the room, somebody's like, "Uh, Andy Jack, you got to come check this out. And he's like, what is it? I'm busy doing other stuff. And they're like, no, you need to come here. So he goes in and he just looks at it. And he's like, are you kidding me? Why is this giant wheel of cheese here in the blue room of the, of the white house? I don't know if the blue room was around back then, but anyway, and so it's there for a couple of years and you know, Andy Jack, quite the partier can't get rid of it. And he's, you know, getting ready to leave office. So he just invites the public in to the East room to eat some cheese. And, of course, it takes a few days to get rid of it, but uh, it takes even longer to get rid of the odors. And, of course, there's cheese ground into the carpet, just like a three-year-old's birthday party. Yeah. And uh, according to one Washington resident, they said this enormous wheel of cheese, quote, was an evil-smelling horror. <laughs> one whose aroma stretched for several blocks beyond the White House itself. Oh, and um, he leaves the White House and like he's like, I got to get rid of these clothes. They smell like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else. Uh, oh, actually, Mental Floss. Uh, we've all seen some of their interesting things on the Internet. Uh, but they had a good quote. It said, Jackson could conquer the Bank of the United States, but he was helpless against such a massive wheel of cheese. <laughs> and we have a... Um, a story in the Atlantic that talks about what the solution was. And Ben mentioned this about uh, crowdsourcing the eating. And um, Andy Jack had 10,000 visitors come and they had their knives. And (laughs) the Atlantic says with knives and appetites, if not Purell, (laughs) they carved the cheese, (laughs) they ate it and they saved some for later. It was gone within two hours but its stench remained. Senator John Davis's wife, Eliza, said in 1838 that, quote, the White House has been put in order by its present occupant and is vastly improved. Van Buren says he had a hard task to get rid of the smell of cheese, and in the room where it was cut, he had to air out the carpet for many days. <laughs> and she goes on to say that oh, they man. had to paint, they'd get new carpet, and, uh, yeah, Andy Jack... He had to cut the cheese. He had to cut the cheese. Well, Jason and I like cheese, too. And we want to know if you like cheese. And you can let us know if you go over to our social media accounts at (laughs) facebook.com slash election college. We're on Twitter as election college and on Instagram as election college. Yeah. And uh, I know we get cheesy every now and then. (laughs) And it's cheesy for me to say that. It was cheesy. uh, If I had a... 89.6 seconds to leave the podcast to review. That would be a very non-cheesy way 
to spend my afternoon. Yeah. So if you would go to electioncollege.com slash review, that will take you over to iTunes where you can leave a review for the podcast. We really do appreciate each and every one of you who have done so. A lot of you don't even listen to the podcast on iTunes. And I'm asking you people specifically, go over to your computer, pull up iTunes and leave us a review anyway. It would mean a lot. It seriously would. Yeah. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We have more inauguration fun coming up in our next episode. See you then. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.